It is Sunday morning, August 16th, and welcome to another edition of the Born in 87 podcast. So Adam, why am I always sad? Because we're Mets fans, Jets fans, and Knicks fans? Oh, that's right. We root for the Mets, Jets, and Knicks, so it's always sad. We didn't even practice this. You just do what I was going to say, because that is why we're always sad. I love you. We've been friends for over 30 years, rooting for these teams. We know why we're always sad. I think that's the number one cause of sadness in our lives, is, is that we root for these three teams. When we were little kids, we decided to choose these three teams. Justin, our, our listeners don't know this, but you and I have both had uh, some troubles getting our families started that have caused us a lot of stress. I think that unquestionably made us sadder than our teams. But that's over now, and our kids are great. Um, but now it's just the Mets, Jets, and Knicks. I was trying to keep it to sports. Sorry, and Justin. make it overly personal. But uh, anyway, but... Uh, my God, <laughs> as if, as if uh, the Mets uh, being two and four in their last six games wasn't bad enough. Yesterday, I was watching the uh, play-in game for the NBA's Western Conference, and even though the Grizzlies lost, just watching John Morant being absolutely spectacular, and that just made me even sadder knowing that the Knicks missed out on him by one pick. You want to know what was probably my happiest five seconds as a Knicks fan in the last seven years? I have no idea. Something that Porzingis did? No. I think it, w- it was the five seconds in the uh, lottery last year <laughs> when it seemed like the Knicks might get a top two pick and might get Zion or John Morant. And then it turned out that they got the third pick and we didn't get one of those two guys. And Zion and John Morant have been as good, if not better, than advertised. I mean, John Morant was just absolutely spectacular and breathtaking in that game last night well this is basketball analysis and we're not really talking Knicks today but like John Morant's been better than advertised I think Zion's been with the potential being as good as advertised um, he certainly had his struggles on the defensive end we're we're going down on a tangent here John Morant better than we thought I actually think right now I'd rather have him in this moment than uh, Zion if I wanted to win a game yeah, so again, this is, this is a Mets pod, not a Knicks pod, but that happened yesterday, and I just thought it was worth bringing up since we are a pod that talks Mets, Jets, and Knicks. But let's get into the Mets. So we're, we're about to play an audio clip from what what is my favorite uh, comedy of all time. And it's been and your favorite comedy for as long as I can remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I first saw this movie when I... The movie is My Cousin Vinny. I'm pretty sure I first saw this movie when I was like seven years old. Not a movie that you should probably be shown when you're like seven years yeah, old, okay. but yeah, whatever. I think it turned out okay. Uh, th- this is the famous cl- clip where uh, where Vinny and his fiance are uh, on the porch and they're just talking about everything that can go wrong. And that just kind of feels emblematic of where the Mets are at this season. Uh, so let, let's cue the clip. My career, your life, our marriage, and let me see, what else could we pile on? Is there any more shit we could pile on to the top of the outcome of this case? Is it possible? Maybe it was a bad time to bring it up. The only thing that makes me nervous, Justin, is saying, you know, nothing else could go wrong, and as as we've seen in the past... Something else always could go wrong with one of our teams. I know. Sadly, that is the case. Um, also, at the end of that clip, Mona Lisa, Marissa Tomei's character, says, maybe it was a bad time to bring it up. So I'm going to use that part of the clip as a segue to say, well, what what this week was, was uh, 
a bad time to bring it up. Was it was it Marcus Stroman opting out of the season? Is it a bad time to bring that up? I mean, we've all had almost a week to recover from that at this point. Um, there's other things that I'm more sad about, but I'm still pretty sad about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we should at least take a minute to uh, talk about... So one thing I think you saw on a lot of uh, social media this week was people saying that this was an absolutely horrific trade, that uh, the Mets gave up two, two good prospects to get 11 starts out of Marcus Stroman. I don't know if I totally see it this way. I think there's a lot that we can rip Brody on. I don't know that this is necessarily one of the things that we can blame him all that much I mean, for. the prospects we gave up I don't think are particularly wonderful or expected to be as good as someone as Kalenic and... He was cost-controlled for two years. With He's from Long Island. He's a good pitcher. I mean, at the time, we both liked it, and I'd probably do the deal again if I could go back in time. Yeah, and it's certainly not like anybody knew that 2020 was going to be what it ended up becoming. And I still think there's a chance that the Mets end up re-signing uh, Marcus Stroman. I don't think there's any chance in hell that we're re-signing Marcus Stroman. Why would, he opted out of the season to protect his free agency. Why would he, If he wanted to come back, don't you think he would have continued to pitch? And there's that story well, I mean, that he threw well, a temper the, tantrum and he found out he was getting traded to the Mets. It doesn't seem like he has a lot of interest in playing for the, the Mets. I, I, I can't imagine that they, they'd want to bring him back. I think he's opting out to protect his arm and not get further hurt. But if the Mets were to give him the best contract or a contract that he found suitable, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't necessarily sign it. I guess you could say that does this lead to a... Uh, a bigger issue in that if he comes back, like our teammates going to be mad at him that he opted out of the season and didn't want to help them in 2020. Now, look, we, we don't want to, you know, he claimed he's opting out due to coronavirus concerns. And we've been, we, you know, we've said consistently on this podcast that we support anybody in, uh, in saying that, you know, if they don't feel comfortable playing this year with what's going on in the world, we fully support that. That being said, um, you know, there's humans in that Mets locker room and everybody else is out there, uh, you know, taking risks, playing baseball every day, trying to win baseball games, even though the Mets have not except been for, successful. Except for Cespedes. Yeah, except, well, but, I mean, Cespedes, there's a 0% chance is ever playing a game for the Mets again. Stroman, you know, we have to ask the question... Even though, again, he's opting out because of, you know, supposedly because of this great pandemic. I think we all feel like if he wasn't a free agent at the end of the year, there's a greater chance he might be coming back. And is this something where if he were to come back, maybe teammates aren't so nice to him in the future? Like, he has a hard time? I, I don't know. I, I, I guess we don't, again, we, don't, we don't know. We're not in that locker room. I will say, I think I have a different view on the Stroman thing than a lot of people, where I kind of defend his reasoning... Either way. So either he's worried about the coronavirus, which, as we said, we think is the right... You know, if you're worried about coronavirus, you know, we stand by your decision. I think it's equally likely that he saw how many pitchers keep getting injured on this team and how terrible their training staff. And was like, I'm going to be a free agent. Why am I going to risk myself? How many pitchers have gotten hurt for them this year? Syndergaard got hurt this year. Waka's hurt. Gazelman was on the DL. Um, they don't. They can't really field a starting rotation anymore because of all these injuries. And we've seen like how many of their starters have you know needed Tommy John surgery in the last five ten years. If I was him facing free agency, I wouldn't risk my arm with this dumpster fire of a training staff. Um, 
So I think he's protecting himself. And if that's true, why would he go back to this team? If he if he sees how these guys are being trained and he sees all these injuries, he's like, I don't I don't want to get hurt. I'm not I'm not pitching for this team. They were helping him um, rehab in theory. He got to work with them when he was hurt this season. I I think there's a very good chance he's like, no, thank you, Mets training staff. Guess those are good points. All right, before we move on from Stroman, last thing I want to bring up. Another thing I saw a lot on Twitter this week was. People saying, oh, I can't believe we, uh, for 11 starts for Marcus Stroman, we gave up these great prospects in Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson. I think before we put Anthony Kay in the Hall of Fame, we need to realize that last year everyone applauded Brody for giving up so little to be able to get Marcus Stroman. Like other GMs were like, what the heck is going on here? Like how, how did the Mets manage to do this without giving up anything? So I think people need to calm down this is not a situation where like with the uh, seattle trade they gave up really high level prospects to bring in diaz and cano these were not high level prospects maybe anthony k turns into a you know decent major league pitcher but let's i think everybody needs to slow down before you know again putting these guys in the hall of fame or saying that these guys are gonna be future all-stars it's been a bad week people are upset um you look at their starting rotation it's like Nobody. They have DeGrom, who didn't even, wasn't even able to play. Porcello, who hasn't been very good. And David Peterson, who no one knew who he was as of four weeks ago. Uh, I mean, I guess Steven Matz t- technically counts as a starting pitcher, um, though he really seems to be more of an asset for the other team at this point in his career. I understand why people are really frustrated that they have a player who is a borderline all-star. He's healthy, and he's just not playing on a team that absolutely could make the playoffs. I understand why people are mad. Yeah, so I think that's a good segue. This is going slightly out of order on our outline. Which but, no one uh, can see, and they would have known had you said it. Way to go. But let's keep going. <laughs> uh, so another thing where at the time, uh, you know, it's probably one of those, uh, so don't know if this is a great time to bring it up, but uh, my neck's a little tight, and uh, I'm not going to be uh, making my start tonight. That That's Jacob deGrom. Uh, how concerned should we be that uh, Jacob Degrom got scratched from Friday's start? Who has? And when will who he knows? I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. We have no idea. He said his neck hurt. I think it's more interesting to talk about like in that moment where he's like, you hear he's not playing, and then you find out that he's doing a press conference, and everyone's like, well, if it's just a little injury, why is he doing a press conference? And everyone assumed he was opting out, and then he didn't. So I, I was relieved. I'm not super concerned. Um, I don't he, know if anybody really thought he was opting out. I think uh, a fake Mike Pumer account on uh, Twitter said he was opting out. Well, convince uh, me. I some was, people. Uh, everything always it. goes wrong for this team. Why wouldn't he opt out? And then he was tormented by the Philly fanatic during his press conference. Poor, poor Jacob Degrom. Yeah, I'm not. I'm um, not. I'm not super worried. I don't think that's their biggest problem right now. I think their biggest problem is they don't have any other starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, if uh, yeah, like you said. Also, we've seen this with DeGrom before. It seems like every year he has one flare-up. Maybe he misses a start or gets pushed back a few days, and then knock on wood, uh, he ends up being fine. Um, he said he was he could pitch that day. He didn't want to risk it. He says he's pitching tomorrow, which is Monday. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this. We'll, we'll see what happens. If he looks like crap on Monday or he can't pitch Monday, then it's time to freak out. And then maybe it's time to just give up on the season. Yeah. Uh, well said. So, uh... The next thing, the next thing, uh, you know, that could go wrong, uh, could be piled on. So, uh, Jeff McNeil, uh, again, hitting over 300, such a good hitter, and uh, on Thursday makes an incredible play, but gets hurt running into the wall. Oi. 
At least he seems okay. I mean, we all assume once again he limped off the field. Well, he was in the cart, right? I, I didn't watch it live. I watched it later. He like he looked terribly hurt, but it's it's a, a bone contusion. There's no structural damage, um, so that's a big relief. Like things could have been worse this week. We could have lost Degrom and McNeil for the season. I think this le- yeah true, but I do think this leads to a bigger point. So, in in some of our earlier pods, I think if you go back to one of our first pods on this uh, feed when we were you know talking our. Uh, 2020 Mets season preview we were debating would we see McNeil in the infield or the outfield ultimately they started him in the infield and then switched him to the outfield because J.D. Davis's defense at third base is so much better than left field but one thing I remember about last year is McNeil saying that when he plays outfield it's a lot more tiring you know he didn't grow up playing outfield he was a career infielder uh, he had to take off more days when he played the outfield. And I don't want Jeff McNeil to have to take off more days. I want his line, his bat in the lineup every single day because he's such a great hitter. And then even though he made a spectacular play in left field the other day, he got hurt and you know has now had to miss several games after that. And you just wonder, is it worth putting him back in the outfield? He's, you know, he's made comments over the last two years that it tires him out more. Now he's gotten a bad injury. Also, you worry that in a similar situation in the future, is he going to be gun-shy of making a play like that, knowing he got hurt running into the wall? And this all leads me to a bigger point, saying, is it worth putting him back out there? For the last two years, the Mets have not put Jeff McNeil at his natural position second base because Robinson Cano has been in the way. Uh, You look at the, the construction of this team right now, Cano is hitting the crap out of the ball, so you, you need Cano in the lineup. I also want Cano healthy. Cano is another guy who's been consistently hurt and been dinged up over the last two years that he's been here. I, I kind of feel that when McNeil is healthy and back in the lineup, put McNeil at second base, let Robbie Cano DH, even though it hurts your defense, put Dom Smith in the left field, and then make a choice between Rosario and Jimenez at shortstop. I think... That's your best team. Um, well, Justin, right you know now, the problem with that. The team's best the hitter then is riding the bench. Do you Jimenez? know? No, Luis Guillerme is batting four fifty five on the season with a five hundred on base percentage. I understand how well Luis Guillerme has been hitting. Um, I don't expect that to last. There is a reason that Luis Guillorme is a career bench guy. He's one of those 4A guys that's been bounced up and down between AAA and the majors. How many times over the years have we seen a guy get hot for a week? I'm sorry. I'm not convinced that Luis Guillorme is going to continue hitting 455. He's a good utility infielder. So, Justin, Uh, I don't appreciate the way you just said his name. He's been our best player over the last little bit. He's an outstanding second baseman. And I'm pulling it up right now, but in the minor leagues, his career batting average is 289 with a 368 on base percentage. So he, in a large sample size in the minors, it is the minors in the Mets minor leaguers we know hit very well. Um, sometimes that doesn't translate to the, the, the professionals, but there is reason to think he's a young guy who's coming into his own. He's 25. He's not like a 27 or 28-year-old journeyman um he's a great defense second baseman i really like the team played well when he was at second and when jimenez was at short and i think having a, an elite defensive infield with davis at third is something worth thinking about i guess my counter to that would be is that we saw guillerme up in the major leagues in both 2018 and 19 he hit 209 in 2018 he hit 246 
in as a 23 23 and 24 year old that's extremely young guys don't hit their prime till they're 27 or 28 so okay so what would you i have no idea i would trade somebody you can't yeah. tra- unfortunately you can't trade Cano because of that contract and because he doesn't play second base anymore unless you're willing to like probably throw in a prospect. But they have too many players. You know, you have to play Nimo every day because of his on-base percentage. You have to, I, I like Guillerme and I think you have to play Jimenez every single day cuz he's arguably been one of their top 3 or 4 most valuable players. He might be the National League rookie of the year right now. Either him or Peterson. I love I love yeah. me some David Peterson. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah, know, Justin. I don't have the answer, but the pieces aren't fitting. They have too many pieces, and they have massive holes elsewhere. And I've seen some people say on Twitter that it's, it's a lost season. It's not a lost season. How many games are they back of the eighth, the eighth playoff spot? I think one. I think they're one game back. Their teams, the team as constituted with this starting rotation being the dumpster fire it is, should still make the playoffs. There's no reason this team should not be in the playoffs this year. This is not a time to give up. It's kind of frustrating because it's like you almost want to give up on this team but because the eight no. playoff teams you really can't and if they get in who knows what can, they still have jacob Degrom. if you have jacob Degrom and go up 1-0 in a three-game series it's a pretty good spot to be in so if it wasn't for their lack of hitting with runners in scoring position they would probably have the best offense in baseball by a massive amount their their on base percentage as a team is like out of this world they have an extremely good lineup their infield defense has been much better when certain guys play They're, this is a very good baseball team Okay. I'm sorry, we got a little uh, off your point. I have no idea what I would do. Um, I think Dom I just, Smith uh, needs to play every day. I think Jimenez needs to play every day, and I think you need to build a, a lineup around that. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say Guillaume. I don't want to give him playing time. He's 25. He's a great defensive player, and he's been smashing the crap out of the ball. And, th- and look, it's not like he was a crappy hitter like in the minors. Like there is reason to believe that he could just be developing. I guess that's an interesting interesting point because uh, that's I didn't realize his average was that good in the minors. That's actually a better batting average than uh, Jimenez had in the minor leagues. Uh, Jimenez, I'm not as sure is going to be um, the the hitter that he's been. He's just an elite, elite, elite defensive talent, and I think he. We saw last year the reason they didn't make the playoffs was one Edwin Diaz and it was two their infield defense. Edwin Diaz is pitching better, and their infield defense is is really good. It is. I mean, I don't think Jeff McNeil necessarily hurts their infield defense if you play him at second base every day. No, but I think um, Guillaume and Jimenez are much better defensive second baseman than Jeff McNeil. Both of them, Jimenez in so particular. You, so it seems like, it seems like you're saying put Jeff McNeil back in left field. I can't say that because they have so many outfielders. I don't. I would just get rid of one of these guys. I don't know yeah. who I'd get rid of. If they get rid of Dom Smith, I'm gonna cry. I love. I'm obsessed you with. You get Smith. rid of Rosario, but even the getting rid of Rosario, it just seems. Like I would Rosario bench him. Also, is just a, I don't, such a young. I, know, I, I don't think you bench him. You don't want to trade him. I don't think anyone would trade for him. He's terrible. His defense That's is not true. his defense is average. He, he even when he was hitting last year, he wasn't drawing walks. I I'm not I'm not an Ahmed Rosario. Fan. I think it's just been enough. I know he's only 24. I see him and Dom Smith like the same. They came up at the same time. They both have had similar struggles. One of those two guys has worked through those struggles, and the other one has not. Um, I'm impressed with Smith. I'm not impressed with Rosario. If you could, I, I, I just, I think Guillermo. I mean, one thing, or I rather say Guillermo or uh, Jimenez play. The one thing, here's the one thing you could say though with Ahmed Rosario. He's been a very durable 
player. He played 154 games in 2018, 157 games last year. You saw improvement after hitting just 256 in 2018. He got his average up to 287 And last now it's year. back up to 200. Nice job. Small sample size. But uh, the, he, the he looks lack terrible. Of walks is, the lack of walks is very concerning. You know how many walks he, he has walk this a single time. He's zero. Zero walks. That That is a problem. He's a bench it's, player. It's a problem. We he the Mets did I mean the Mets might have the deepest bench in the league right now. Yeah, unfortunately, having a deep bench uh, in a season where you don't necessarily have to use your bench all that much because uh, you have a designated hitter now and you don't have to hit for the pitcher uh, doesn't help you win games and that's why the Mets are currently well one of the many reasons why they're nine and just nine and thirteen but um yeah. I, I guess having all these guys and not knowing where to play them could you could, could be viewed as a, a good problem. Um, let, let's move on though. So uh, another uh, another one of our guys uh, who's been hitting really well is uh, Tomas Nito. Tomas Nito is only 26 years old. He's currently hitting 350 with a 409 on base percentage. He had a huge grand slam the other day. Wilson Ramos hasn't hit a lick and. Uh, Defensively, Wilson Ramos made a play that uh, cost the Mets a game the other night, a play in which he absolutely should have had the uh, tag out at uh, home plate that would have put the, uh, this is talking about the Friday night game that they lost to the Phillies. He should have easily had that uh, tag out that would have put the game into extra innings. He did not successfully make the tag. Uh, should Tomas Nito be getting more playing time I, over Wilson Ramos? I don't know, Justin. Probably. The, the, the problem with Ramos is... He's always been such a good hitter, and he's in a slump. Like, a lot of times with players like that, you just need to let them work their way out. And I, I feel like he needs a chance to work his way out. I mean, the other the other way to look at it is the season's almost over, um, and you don't have that long. I, I, Nito, yes. how many at-bats has he had? I, I'm pretty sure it's a pretty small sample size with him. So Wilson Ramos this year has had 61 at-bats, so not a lot. And Nito's had 22 at-bats, so he's hit well, but that, I mean, talk about small sample sizes. He only has had 20 at-bats. That, that's not a lot. Yeah, and I guess also, being that this is a wonky season, you're going to have to make a decision on Wilson. So Wilson Ramos is uh, thir- just turned 33 years old. The Mets do have a team option on him for next year, so... You know, based on what you have left in this season, you're going to have to make a decision on whether or not you want to pick up that team option on Wilson Ramos for next year. Uh, you know, un- unless you, you're convinced that Tomas Nito could be your catcher of the future, it's probably worth picking up that option, right? I mean, they, some, I, I think it all comes down to what their management group is. They're going to spend money. I mean, we've heard rumors that they might go after Real Muto. Um, I don't know how much you'd have to spend to get him in. I mean, Real Muto might be like the MVP of the National League right now. Well, I guess that's hard to say because the Phillies haven't been other than before the last two days. The Phillies weren't winning baseball games, and generally you have to win baseball games to be MVP. But Real Muto has been unbelievable this year. I don't know. It's it's a tough call. Um, I think step one before thinking about the offseason is: Are they going to have an ownership group willing to spend money? If they're going to spend a lot of money, then upgrade your catcher position because you don't really need to upgrade any other position player for next year that is i don't know well it depends on how you view this team if you're going to trade some guys and make your situation with a lot of these clearer like if you're clearing an everyday spot for jimenez and trading rosario um i i definitely think and i think this is a good transition i certainly think there's a scenario next year especially uh 
sorry, I think there's definitely a scenario next year where you play J.D. Davis every day at third, you play Jeff McNeil every day at second base, you play Jimenez every day at short, uh, maybe you eat, it's hard to say eat the money with uh, Cano, but uh, you know, you platoon. What is, you can't Donovan. eat money in baseball, he's still on the team, you can't cut, right? I mean, there's no way to get I out guess of the money. Could, the only, you'd have to trade Cano and take off to, and be willing to pick up a very large amount of that money. And it, because Cano is still hitting, maybe you could convince somebody to do that. And if there's an everyday DH, then there's more places to potentially trade him. I, that would be the way you'd have to do it. I, people can't see. I'm just shrugging my shoulders. I, I don't think they're getting rid of Robinson Cano. It's just that I, oh, I think you could certainly upgrade center field play Conforto on right, Nimmo on left, and get a real center fielder that can hit. Because I think that's a transition to, as far as things that could go wrong, you bring in a guy who's supposed to be a defensive center fielder and is good at running the bases, and then Billy Hamilton can't run the bases. Why is Billy Hamilton on this team? He's terrible. I know we're supposed to disagree more, but I was literally going to say that. Why is Billy Hamilton on this team? I So in theory, you go, oh, sorry, that's my Brody Van Wagenen voice. Oh, we don't... All right, we have all these outfielders, but we don't have a great defensive center field. Let's just go get someone who has one skill. And then he costs them literally everywhere else. They, Rojas, the moron, decided to pull out Guillermo the other night for for Hamilton, and he Hamilton screwed up running the bases and cost them the game. Yeah, I mean, Guillermo's a good base runner. I mean, he's not as fast I, as I, Hamilton. I, I did not understand. I did not understand that move at all. Ah, I just, it's just he's still overthinking the game and costing them. Oh, it's frustrating. I mean thing with Billy Hamilton, too, it's like, it's one thing, okay, I get, like, if you're a really good defensive outfielder and you might not be the best hitter, but you have to at least be able to hit a little. The guy is hitting 063 this year. I remember when he got his first hit on the team. I don't remember how many games he was on, but they made this big deal and they got on the ball. I'm like, we shouldn't be celebrating this. He's terrible. And there's no evidence to say that, like, this guy is going to hit. His career, his batting average by season... 250, 226, 260, 247, 236, 218, 211, and now 063. There's absolutely no evidence that this guy can hit at a major league level. Uh, if he's going to be making mistakes on the base paths, it's not worth keeping. It's not worth keeping this guy around. Get him off the team. I'd rather just play Brandon Nimmo in center field full time, and you know. Because if he's going to hurt you everywhere else... It is kind I'm of fun so sometimes with Nimmo because he misplays the ball so much. And it's like, oh, is he going to get it when he like dives across his body or has to jump up in the air for a routine fly ball? It, it makes the game more interesting. It goes back to the original point. You said, like, where are they going to upgrade this offseason? I, I, I haven't looked at who the free agents are going to be this offseason, but they could certainly upgrade at center field. Again, it's, Justin, it's a weird here's situation because the Mets have all these guys. You, you don't need to touch their position players. Just leave them the same. This is not why they're losing games is their lineup. This is true. They need they need people who can like pitch. And you know who is not one of them? Steven Matz. Just put him in the bullpen. We we live in the age where you don't need starting pitchers. Other teams frequently will not have a starter. Just put him in the bullpen. Just have a bullpen game. Yeah. So you have two bullpen I mean, games a week. Who cares? Just Bring up more guy. Bring Drew Smith back. Have Matt. And I'm not. Conv- and honestly, I'm not convinced that you'd even need to do that. I think you could maybe get away with doing it one time every through the rotation because I think once he's stretched out, I think you'd be fine with Robert Gazelman as like your fourth starter. He's just coming back from tendonitis. Do we really want him to be pitching like six, seven inning games? But then again, he's only got to make like eight more starts. That's true. 
It's sad. You ever think about? Yeah. I don't know. At some point, we'll do think, a pod where we look back at what the rotation that could have been from 2015, and ugh. the second best player is Zach Wheeler from that rotation. They should have not let him go. That was pretty stupid. I mean, I know we've talked. Which about I think, the, bring, which I think brings us to our final point. So if you if you go back to our uh, our my cousin our my cousin Vinny clip, what else can we pile on? What other crap can go on the Here pile? Here comes Zach Wheeler. And is it a bad time to bring this up? Is it a bad time to bring up that uh, Zach Wheeler is going to start against the Mets today? If the Mets lose this game, it's going to look really, really So I'm not a baseball insider, clearly. I'm just, I, I understand misery, which is why we have a podcast together. But I think one of the reasons that I've read that Zach Wheeler got so much money is other teams were like, hey, the Mets are stupid. This guy's got elite stuff. We believe that in our system, he will be an elite pitcher. Let's give him a lot of money, and voila, Zach Wheeler looks to be an elite pitcher. What's wrong with them? Why can't they have a professional organization? They have all these assets, and they're just absolutely mismanaging them. Well, supposedly the Wilpons are selling the team, and Stevie Cohen has all that beautiful money. And hopefully the next time baseball is played in a uh, season that doesn't feel ridiculous... And again, if the Mets right now the Mets are nine and thirteen, if the Mets were like sixteen and six right now, I maybe wouldn't be saying that this season is so ridiculous. I'd be excited about their prospects for the rest of the season. But they're not sixteen and six. They're struggling mightily. I understand they're only like a game or a game and a half out of the last playoff spot. But I mean, this is just a, such a wacky season. Now the Cincinnati Reds have had a, a coronavirus outbreak. The St. Louis Cardinals are slated to play like fifteen double headers the rest of the year. The Marlins and the Phillies later this year, over a five-day span, are playing seven games. They have a seven-game series against each other. And as it is, uh, they're playing just whenever they feel like it. They're playing uh, seven-inning games, and the seven-inning games count as much as the nine-inning games. Yesterday, the the Blue Jays and the uh, Orioles game got suspended due to rain. So they're going to finish that game today. And then at the conclusion of that game, they're like, well, since you got to play a few innings in that game, your second game could just be seven innings. They're just making up crap as they go They along. decided what the playoffs are going to be after the season started. I think that's really all you need to say. Yeah. So I know I've, I've said on this podcast before that once you get to the playoffs, it's going to start feeling real because you're not going to have seven inning games and you're not going to have extra innings where guys start on second base and the you know it's like we're fans and when you're rooting for your teams in a do or die situation it's going to feel intense and you're going to be on the edge of your seat and you're going to want to feel like you want to throw up but gotta get there again this season is yeah you got to get there and this season has just been so wacky so the next time and and i think you know as baseball fans I hope that when next season they don't bring back this eight. Because the thing is, in a 162-game season, if there are eight playoff teams in each league, it's just going to feel so illegitimate. I think, like, you look, like, basketball can get away with it because the seven and eight seeds almost never beat the one and the two seeds. But in baseball, you you would see this all the time because it's baseball and it's a sport where anybody can beat anybody. And... You have to have some sort of legitimacy with a real regular season. Sorry, so I'm, I'm going sorry, off Justin. On a you tangent. must be you must be distracted by me. I'm in uh, my wife's childhood bedroom, and there's an alarm going off, and I don't, I can't find it. This is terrible podcasting. I'm really sorry about this alarm, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. Justin, where's the alarm? It's still going. Um, I think that's a way of saying uh, we've ranted and complained about uh, 
the Mets enough. I what need else to find this alarm on? What else can we pile on to the pile of crap? Apparently, it's Adam's uh, Adam's wife's alarm where we don't know where it's coming from. It's probably in the wall with the cats. Hopefully, like four months from now, Stevie Cohen is the owner of the Mets, and we can actually be excited about the 2020. And they fire their season. whole training staff. All right. With that, uh, let's wrap up the pod. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BornIn87Pod. Visit the site, BornIn87Pod.com. And uh, if you want to let us know how we're doing, BornIn87Pod at gmail.com. And Matt fans, we're sorry. It's been a tough week. We're sending you all hugs. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one.